Hello, hello, hello. I am a week late with this episode. I am sorry. Um, last weekend, the files somehow got corrupted. Not really sure what happened, but I was probably half an hour away after working for about five or six hours and lost everything. And then I got sick. Then I got busy with, you know, teaching. And long story short, this is the episode that was supposed to come out last Monday, but it's out and it is now this Monday, May 4th. Thank you guys so much for listening and for tuning in today. And before we move on, I have just a quick guest who wants to say something in regards to the Helping Families Hurt by COVID-19 Quarantine GoFundMe that my wife and I had running the last couple weeks to help some families in desperate need out in one of the jungle towns of Peru. Oh yeah, this is Chris Fry and you are listening to The View from Peru. Anywho, here's our mini guest, my wife, Paola Uceda Fry. Hi everyone! I am Paola, and I really want to say thank you so much for your support to buy the supplies in the jungle. Thank you so much. I really love the jungle. I was a missionary there for a year before marrying Chris or Chris, and the supplies will be able to feed 40 families for weeks. Thank you so much for your prayers and financial support. Thank you so much and God bless you. Yes, thank you so much for everyone who helped in whatever way. There were some people that gave like 10 or $20. There were some people that gave two or $300. And there were some people that prayed and there were some that just shared it on different social media networks. And no matter what you did, we just wanted to say thank you so much. We were able to raise $1,600 instead of just 1500 which was a huge answer to prayer. And this means that even more families will be able to be blessed and provide food for their kids over this time. Thank you so much for your help. It really will make a huge difference to 40 maybe even more families in Pucallpa, Peru. Before we get into the interview, just another thing that I would like to mention. My main ministry, ICS Lima, officially announced a couple weeks ago that we will be closed for the remainder of the semester. We finally had that official word given. And I would just ask that you guys pray for the seniors as this is hard news for them to take and also pray for the rest of the classes at the school and for us teachers that we will be able to still teach well while doing distance learning. But even more importantly than that, that we will still be able to speak into these kids' lives on an emotional but also on a spiritual matter. I know that it's been hard coming straight out of high school retreat where we started a lot of really good conversations with a lot of kids about Jesus and their relationship to him. And now we weren't able to follow through with those conversations as we were hoping. So please be praying that through Google Meets and emails and every other way that we have communicating, that these kids can still feel our love, but more importantly, learn to feel Christ's love. And that during this time, many of them will come to know him. So, for today's interview, our guest is Isaac Howe. He and I went to Clark Summit together. Back then, it was called Baptist Bible College out in Pennsylvania. And he is now the youth pastor at a church. And he reached out to me first to do an interview on his podcast that he started to keep up with his youth group. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to have him come on. And so... In my interview of him, we talk about how COVID-19 is affecting different youth ministries, about the importance of apologetics, and also about how 
local churches back in the States and missionaries abroad can work together to better their mutual relationships with each other, to form stronger bonds and to have more familiarity with them. And it was a really good conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it. And without further to do, here is Isaac Howe. All right. So today I have for you guys an interview conversation with Isaac Howell. We were actually in the same dorm together back in college. And he reached out to me and asked if I could go on his podcast. And I thought it would be great to have him on mine. So Isaac Howell, how are you doing? I'm doing Howell. really Sorry. well, Chris. I don't know why I said Howell. It's Howell. <laughs> no, you're good. Howell. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Really excited to talk with you. I love what you're doing down there in Lima. Um, love how you've helped us as a youth ministry just think through our faith and um, just looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, man. No, thanks. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for reconnecting. This is gonna be this is gonna be great. And I hope that God is glorified and hope it's helpful for your teenagers. And I think my audience is really gonna like what you have to share and what God has been doing through you. Awesome. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how did you get started in youth ministry and then how has it changed since the Corona crisis? And also if you could just mention like where you are, um, talk a little bit about your wife and introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So um, my wife and I live in North central Pennsylvania, right on the border of New York and Pennsylvania. And I am currently the family ministries pastor at Beartown Road Alliance Church in Painted Post, New York. And so some of my responsibility there um, is working with our youth ministry and with building and developing that system and in helping us hopefully to have like um, an effective way to connect with kids, an effective way to basically just build relationships with them in a way that is more practical and hopefully has the ability to get them grounded in their faith in such a way that as they go off into their lives, as they go off into college, as they begin to explore real life after this kind of somewhat generally type of sheltered life that we have in high school, as they go off into the real world, they don't go off with all sorts of unanswered questions and they don't go off with all sorts of unknowns and the feeling like they're not equipped to engage their professors or their friends or whoever might oppose what they say that their faith is. Um, I don't want them to leave feeling in, unequipped to be able to defend their faith and think through their faith rationally. And so a lot of what we're doing is with helping to build essentially what's apologetics or defending our Christian faith, um, helping to build a baseline of understanding a Christian worldview, of understanding Christian apologetics to think through faith rationally. And so um, I actually had a period of about four years before I was involved in this full-time ministry since my time, in my, since my undergraduate, that I basically just worked in the secular world, I actually worked in sales. And it felt like God had kind of pulled me away and taken me somewhat out of the line of being considered for ministry. I just didn't, I didn't see that happening again. And then in a really interesting type of way, God has this ability to, to get our attention and he allowed some things to take place. I was like, okay, God, it seems like you're trying to say something. And so I decided that first step there would be to go to school. And so I got my master's of arts in theological studies from Liberty University and not through that or because of that, I was able to basically get a position at this church and it was, it was really because of relationships that had been built and because of the way that God worked out a series of events. And I always, uh, I told everybody as I was going back to school, I said, I really don't believe that, you know, I'm not going to school so I can have a piece of paper that says you can do ministry. But I believe that in the process of this, what God is going to do is work out something in our life that is going to lead us into Christian ministry. And I think that this will be a component there. And so my wife and I, we've been married for, um, let's see, it's about six years now. And we have two little girls. We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. The four-year-old will be, uh, or no, sorry, three-year-old. She'll be four here in June. So we have a four-year-old and a, and a just two-year-old. And we are expecting our third 
um, the end of July. And so we have a full house with um, some really cool new ministry opportunities. Um, and so it's, it's pretty exciting. And so part of the family ministries pastor um, responsibilities also essentially it covers youth ministry children's ministry, and then some other components with relationship building and impressions and whatnot at the church as well. So it's this really cool opportunity to engage not just youth, but also adults and hopefully kind of pull everybody together so that um, we're all working together as a church to to be the church, that we're not just segmenting groups of people and, and being isolated, but rather we're trying to really be an effective community of believers that is coming together for a much, much higher vision and purpose. That's really cool to see how God worked it all through and congrats with getting the masters. That's a, that's a big sure. accomplishment. Oh yes. It's a, uh, wow. <laughs> I fit a, it was a, let's see, it was a, it was a two year program and I squeezed it down into about 11 months. And so, wow. um, I, I told people like I still I'm I still find brain matter kind of on my ear sometimes because it just melted my mind so much. Um but you know <laughs> through through all of that it definitely it definitely um developed a lot of discipline in me and it also it did give me the tools to just think through different ministry areas more effectively, certainly. And speaking of thinking through those different ministry areas, I was wondering sure. if you could share a little bit more about what the curriculum for the high school looks like that you were developing, right? Yeah. How exactly are you teaching apologetics and doing this mm. more, I, I would almost describe it as like raw discipleship, you know, yeah. instead of like keeping it fun and fluffy, you're actually like diving in deep. What exactly yeah. does that curriculum look like on a week to week basis? And what are you guys doing throughout the week with your teenagers? So it's, it is relatively new. And so we have a plan that's still working and formulating. Um, and then, of course, this coronavirus situation came in and kind of disrupted our in-person gatherings. And so I'll, I'll answer it the best I can for what, we, what we've been doing. So especially at the high school level, so looking at ninth grade through 12th grade, it really has been disturbing to me for a very long time statistics about Christian kids or kids coming from a Christian home or a churched background leaving out into the world and just having this massive exodus from the church. They're just yeah, leaving. It's like 70% or something. It's, it's, you know it's the last numbers on that? Uh, it, it, it's high. I, last, I, last I knew it was in that 70, 75% mark that at least walk away for an amount of time. Now, not all of them are gone forever, but they're definitely gone for a while. But I, I can't remember what this specific is, but yeah, Chris, it's, it's super high. And that was such a big concern to me that um, one of the things as we, were, as we were looking at, okay, what type of a position can we build in this ministry that will fit you know, your giftedness and the way that you could kind of fill out some of our needs, you know, I had said that what I think that the teaching curriculum for our youth ministry needs to be is to help these kids think through what it means to have a Christian worldview and what's the importance of that, you know, because we all have a worldview that we function by, whether we're aware of it or not. And so, you know, if, if my worldview is essentially just a hodgepodge of whatever experiences I've had in the past, then we're going to have a really tough time adjusting to the real world. And it, more than that, if you think that you're a Christian and yet you haven't grounded yourself, um, you're in kind of double trouble because you're not only, um, you know, not going to be prepared, but you're also going to be taken off guard at the way that people will attack what you say you believe or thought you believed. And so week to week, I mean, we're just being pretty raw and honest. We actually, the first, first two weeks I was there, we spent two weeks talking about ways that Christians, that believers in Jesus have addressed the topic of creation and evolution. And we talked about traditional creationism, and we talked about evolutionary creationism, and different Christians, really strong believers that have done incredible things for the Lord, have taken very different positions and stances on these, on these issues. And, you know, to begin to kind of 
say, listen, you can, God wants you to, to engage here. And he wants you to go on this journey with him of understanding his truth and his creation. And, and so we did that and we, we've begun a series on understanding just the, the basic premises of what a worldview is. So just understanding what, what is a worldview and, you know, that is, it's, it's essentially the lens that you see the world through. It's, it's the lens that you filter all of your decisions through, whether consciously or unconsciously. And it's, it's how you interpret the world as well. So it impacts how you, how you think. And so building a development on that. And um, since the coronavirus situation, I mean, shut us down, that's also what the development of our podcast, the Beartown Road Youth Ministry Podcast has been about is, okay, so now we're socially separated, we're isolated. Let's engage our minds here. Let's think about the world that we're in right now. And let's use this time to let God build into our minds and help him to develop who we are. And I love how you said that, Chris, about raw discipleship, because I mean, I am totally into just vulnerability and just honesty, because the thing is, is that the last thing that we need is, is to pretend like we are something we're not and to pretend that um, we believe something that we don't know if we believe. I'm not into that at all. And I think that you, you get into such a difficult place when you begin to say you believe something that you really don't believe. And not even that you really don't believe, but something that you might have doubts. Do I even have some type of justification to believe this? You know, we've all, we've all run into circumstances, not necessarily related to faith, but just in life, where we begin to doubt whether or not something that we believe is true. And that's a really unsettling feeling. And so I want, you know, these, these students to have that conversation up front and to really, um, to really think through why do I believe what I believe? You know, if you're going to go to college out of this youth ministry and you're going to be an atheist, I'd prefer you to be an atheist while you're in this youth ministry because at least we can engage on the level that you're at. You and know? at least and, and, it's and I'm, honest. I'm all in for that. Say that again? And at least it's honest. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. You know, um, like if this is who you, if this is what you really think and this is who you truly are, stick with that, you know, man up and tell (laughs) you know i I mean that's also been my approach you know it's just like look like i'm not going to be flabbergasted by whatever you believe like i've seen a lot of different weird beliefs out there (laughs) sure trust me yours is going to look pretty normal i don't think any of us are believing in a spaghetti monster yeah right okay let's just have a real conversation yeah absolutely i and 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 that's hopefully the atmosphere that you know that we're building and i think that for the most part there we don't have a lot of uh a lot of youth ministry students who are really at the place where they're, um, you know, just outright, like totally against Christianity, maybe, maybe a very small handful. I think for the most part, we have really wonderfully godly families in our church that are raising godly kids, and they're sending them to our youth ministry. And so we have this chance to just help, help these students get grounded in their faith. And um, I think of the things that I wish I had in my youth ministry. And I just feel in so many ways like it took me going all the way through my undergraduate studies and losing, um, not really losing a job, but not getting hired by um, this church that I was doing an internship at. It took all of that for me to really begin to explore my faith and to really begin to ask those tough questions about God. Okay, so I know I love you. I know that I even wanted to dedicate my life to Christian ministry with you. But it's taken all of this, and I just wanna I just want to know you, I just want to know who you are, and you know it took me all that time because there was never really this I never really felt like I had this totally this not really not really the context, but I never had the tools or the people to help me do that. you know I would have loved to have had somebody say, Hazik, you know let's let's look at." what you know naturalism stands for let's look at people that are really against christianity let's let's look at what they have to say and let's talk about this um let's really get a full picture here and um instead you know it's relatively not really sheltered but protected in a sense where um we just didn't really look at the other side of the argument and i think it's actually it's it's uh 
maybe Proverbs 17, something like that, where the, the, um, the author says, you know, the even court, you know, one argument looks convincing until you hear the counter argument. And so I think that's a lot of what happens within Christian circles is that we get the Christian side of things all the time, and we don't really get exposed to the, the other, the attacks against Christianity on the intellectual level. We get it on the spiritual level, the social, the political level, but not oftentimes on the intellectual level. And that being said, and with that as a foundation, we're also scared to look at because, right, because we have this kind of this natural cultural belief that science, uh, scientism or that science is the foundation of all truth, that that's kind of like the natural cultural disposition. And so what happens is then we get scared to look at because now I'm, I'm afraid my faith won't be valid. And I know I don't have an answer to how God could have created the world and, you know, in six days or in a couple billion years, or I know that I don't have answers to these really complex issues that I'm going to be attacked with. And so we just kind of avoid it. And ultimately that kind of cascades into a really difficult time. Once you're out of high school, maybe out of your parents' home or you sit in your first philosophy class. Um, I had a, uh, a, a Christian mentor of mine that said, we watch, we watch everything that comes out as far as pop movies go. He says, there's nothing that's off limits for us. And what we do is we watch it so that we can dialogue about it as a family so that we can glean from it truth and so that we can talk about where mistruth was represented or where you know sin seemed to just really come to the forefront there and where kind of depravity that comes from sin comes out. And I, I, I don't think that necessarily going to that extreme is all the times necessary, but there are certain things that you need to, you need to be able to go to that really difficult place in, in talking about your faith. Because here's the thing, we serve a God who is the creator of everything. He created our minds to explore and to know and to understand and to grow. And he wants us to be able to engage with the Sam Harris's of the world and with the, the you know, Richard Dawkins of the world. He wants us to be able to go and have a conversation with our professors once we get into our undergraduate studies, or you know, he wants us to be able to talk to the to the person who whose plumbing we're working on, or whose shingles we're you know nailing or stapling to the roof, or in whatever trade, or the person at the grocery store. He wants us to be able to engage with them, and in order to do that, we have to be we have to have some level of grounding within ourselves. And um, I think of it in kind of two directions, and we actually spoke about this really recently in in our youth ministry. Um, in our virtual, one of our virtual meetings, we talked about there are really these these two components to our faith that grounds us. There's the personal side of our faith. In other words, with that side, you, listen, I've had conversations with Jesus in which God has really specifically told me things He's going to do with my life. Not all the time, but it's happened, and it's always come to fruition. And I've never talked about that, and I've never told people that, but it's happened. So there's this personal side where we've experienced healing, or we've experienced some type of a miracle of sorts or some type of financial freedom or whatever experience you have with with God. But then there's a, a, a not a disconnected, but a, a a layer of your belief that goes deeper than that. And that is the the intellectual component of our faith that Christianity is grounded, that Christianity is is more it is, stands on a firmer foundation than any other world religion or worldview that you could come up with. And in fact, it's kind of to the point where it's like, okay, let's just put everything side by side and let's vet this out together because it's Christianity and, and a Christian worldview just is so astoundingly more profitable for everybody that it impacts. Um, I think that, you know, Ravi Zacharias would say that it's interesting when, um, you know, when Islam is in control, Islam wants to shut out everything else and you have to believe in Islam. And when atheism is in control, atheism wants to ban everything that's not atheism. But it's only when Christianity is in control that you have the freedom to also believe whatever you want to believe, you know, and because that's some of the, the freeing message of the gospel. So with this idea of like, there's this personal side of our faith 
that always rest on these absolute truth claims of Christianity, which are are really firm, you know. Um, C.S. Lewis, who I know you like, um, you know, he he basically says Jesus didn't give us the option of just thinking he's a wise teacher. He didn't do that. You, you pretty much have to assume he's he he is to use like today's terminology. He is alt left or right or up or down. Like he is he is absolute extremist on the truth claims. He he made really exclusive claims, and our faith is founded on these exclusive claims. You know, it's why the religious leaders paid off the Romans to say that, you know, somebody stole the body of Jesus. And it's why, it, you know, if they could have presented the body of Jesus, they could have shut the whole thing down, but they couldn't. And Christianity is based on these, these historical and verifiable claims. And so when we're looking to, like, engage with these students, it's about building this understanding and a confidence that, hey, listen, God gives you total freedom to explore your faith. I actually think that he finds glory in you exploring your faith for, for a number of reasons. And um, let's do this together and let me help to equip you, which is a bit of a different youth ministry model than I was ever necessarily taught or exposed to. And it's essentially kind of going all the way back to your initial question about our curriculum. It is essentially the primary and nearly exclusive talking point. Not that we don't address other issues and that we won't address other issues, but it always has to be in light of this is how, you know, talking about, um, even if it's particular types of sin, this is how talking, you know, we're talking about this sin because it relates to a Christian worldview. And you're kind of going back all the time. You know, we're talking about we worship because it it's important according to our Christian worldview and we get together because of this. And you know, we might not always use that terminology and we, it might seem on some level maybe disconnected eventually, but the idea is that we're looking to develop the way that we think to, you know, to have the mind of Christ so that we can ultimately really engage with, with all of the people around us. And, and, you know, and the ultimate goal, Chris, is to share the gospel, right? That's, the, that's really what we're looking to do. Um, we we want to bring people to the Lord because that that's where salvation is, and that's where hope is, that's where peace is, that's where through horrible tragedy, that's where you find encouragement. Literally, supernatural comfort comes from the Lord. Like it's not just you know we don't just want to we don't just want to put you know like punches in our belt to say hey we got another one. You know that it's about people finding freedom so that they know who Jesus is and so they can understand that that love that he has for them as well. Man, thank you so much for sit, for sharing that Isaac. Yeah. That's great. Kind of changing gears. Yeah, sure. Most of the people I think I foresee myself having on were or are missionaries. Sure. And most of those will be in Peru. So I wanted to take this opportunity as you will probably end up being a little bit outside of the normal box of who I interview and ask, sure. how can pastors in the States and missionaries in whatever country they're in, how can they work together from your point of view to develop a better relationship with the ministries that they are doing? That's such a wonderful question. Um, so we are, our church is part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination. And so we have a very, very, very large emphasis on missions and the importance of missions. I think that what happens is if you're not careful, at the, at the local church level, maybe in the States, and, and again, this is just from my experience, from my perspective right now, um, but what happens is it, it is easy to forget about the mission field, the international mission field. And um, there's, there's even, you know, a lot of people that say, you know, you don't have to, you know, missions is not always international. You can, you can, you're a missionary wherever you are. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about, hey, when you walk into church, you're on the mission field because there are going to be unbelievers here and we want to show them love, you know, and, but this, the, the international missions, I mean, it's, it's one of the actual tenets of our entire denomination is we support missions and put an extraordinary emphasis on missions. And um, I, th I think that traditionally speaking, and some of the danger in especially like youth, youth ministry with missions work is that it becomes very self-focused. 
as opposed to actually missions-oriented or as opposed to really being intended to benefit other people, right? And so I think that to some, in some regards, if you're going to do something with missions, you have to be, you know, at least thinking like through like the short-term missions type idea or how the students could like actively be involved in missions. You really have to make sure that whatever you're doing is not designed for you to have some type of a good growth experience, but that it's designed to truly be a blessing and a, a ministry of the gospel to other people. And that should be the, the nearly exclusive intent of it with the other stuff being secondary. Um, but thinking through missions, I think that connecting churches or in, in my particular context, connecting the youth group with missionaries, with people who are working in active missions. You, know, you, you came on our podcast as well and talked about how you know the the benefits of engaging your mind for Jesus and having a Christian worldview is so profitable to you down there in Lima and just having your voice and influence as a regular part of what we're doing to say God's story is a lot bigger than our church in our local church it's a lot bigger than this youth ministry however you are are the the crowning glory of his creation and how much he loves you and you get to have a part in his bigger story. So I think that having a regular connection with you all who are on the missions field is is super helpful. And then I also think that it, it kind of goes the other way. We have uh, several missionaries that um you know as like a as like a local church even though our denomination supports a large group of missionaries, we have missionaries that we specifically sponsor. And so we're, we're looking to say to them, what can we do for you? How can we help you? Do you need money? Do you need, do you need support? Do you need people to be with you? Do you need a missions group? I mean, we send missions groups out often. Um, do you need someone to, to help you? When you come home, what can we do for you as you're, as you're back in the States, you know, or as you're doing whatever and kind of building that? And then and then working together to say, um, you know, you've been in, particularly we have, we have a missionary we support. Um, that's out. That's over in Palestine. And if they're when they're back, it's like, hey, you know, the 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 cavalry has come has come in. Like, let's get together and grow as much as we possibly can from each other's experience in the past few years that we've been separated. And that man, it really does like that. If there's a cord that is multiple strands, adding that missions component, like it like adds multiple strands to the strength of your church. Because what happens is it grounds you in a mission and in a purpose that is so much bigger than what it appears to be on the surface. And so, um, you know, I think, I think with all of that, just making sure that if we, do, if we directly do missions work, that it's really designed for the people we're going to help. That it's not pseudo designed for us to have a really hyper spiritual experience on that. And then um, just engaging as much as we can back and forth. With the advancing of technology, I mean, you and I are talking right now, we're, we're very, very far apart. <laughs> and, um, you know, with this, we can, we, can, we can be in each other's lives in a way that wouldn't have been realistically possible a few decades ago. And so um, I see all of that as ways that, that both I think we can be a blessing as a local church here in the States, we can be a blessing to those who are on the missions field, but we can also grow in, in knowing that our, our, our purpose is so much bigger and God's story is so much bigger than just what we're experiencing right now in the immediate. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And that was really uplifting as well. And going off of that idea about communicating and, you know, the missionaries sure. reaching out to, you know, the stateside church and his church reaching out to the missionary. I'm just kind of listening to that from my point of view. And I'm thinking, what are the best ways for someone that's on the mission field to reach out? And how do we do that in a way that is not, I guess, I can't think of a better word than whiny, right? <laughs> or flaunting. Because every time I put something up on, on our missionary page, sure. Chris and Paul Lafay, The View from Peru, Unless it's like directly telling about like a really awesome story or a really great opportunity, I kind of yeah. hate myself because I feel like I'm pretending to be a social media influencer, but I don't really want to do that. I just want to get 
the work done here. Yeah. You know, but part of getting the work done here involves communicating back to the States, right? Sure. So what have you seen, you know, from, I don't know, even growing up at your time in college, now as a youth pastor, what have you seen missionaries do that have stood out that have been like, wow, that's really cool from your vantage point? And what would be some things that you've seen a missionary do? And you don't have to give any names. Or like, ooh, that's a little cringe, or that's a little whiny, or, you know, that's, I know, I kind of know this guy, so I know that's not his heart, but it's coming off as X, Y, or Z. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful questions, because um, it kind of, it kind of hits on that, this idea of like, what does that relationship look like back and forth? And so talking, okay, so let's, let's step back and just kind of talk generally about like culture and what's effective in culture right now and what will become or what will begin to be the new norm is that you gain influence. And, and Chris, I think you actually have addressed this a bit. You, you gain influence with vulnerability and your vulnerability gives you credibility to speak into other people's lives. And so there is the highlight reel um, that we all see, of course, and we all get the missionary newsletter of the highlight reel. And we all like to broadcast the highlight reel of what God is doing here or there. But there's also a very, a very real low light reel that sometimes gets covered up or hidden a little bit. And what happens is it makes that highlight feel a little bit dis, disingenuine, disgenuine, um, whatever the word is I'm looking for there. Um, and as an English teacher, you probably know it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's that transparency that gives you, that transparency and vulnerability that gives you credibility. And so things I've seen missionaries do really well is they're just normal people, um, particularly like on social media, with the interconnectivity of the world. Um, they're, when, when I'm, you know, friends with missionaries and I just see kind of what they're doing, good days, bad days, pictures of the food that they're eating, like they're a normal person. And then I see mixed in there, um, things that they're doing with their missions work, man, that just grants credibility. Cause what happens is it, it gives you the ability to just see, oh, you know, for instance, you know, you two down there, it's kind of like, oh, look at that. You guys are, you know, you're on a date. That's kind of cool. I love that. I love knowing that, you know, my friend is down in Peru doing these, doing this mission work. And then when you post, you know, your highlight reel, I see that, you know, you, I've been, I have kind of felt like I've been up to date with your life right along. And so when I see something like that, it's just like a celebration. And, and so that I think is something just really practically that, as far as like when I see missionaries do that, I just think it's wonderful. Um, when it's possible, uh, we do have mission missionaries that are at work in areas that that's just not super possible. But when it is possible, man, I, th- I find that to be so helpful. And again, I think it's just this idea that when you're connected to when you're connected to a larger community like that, especially like on social media, you have this ability, though there's dangers to it you have this ability to allow people to just kind of regularly be plugged into your life. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the Instagram models that, you know, I'm not posting, you know, my entire vacation on Instagram. That's different. But, you know, I'm talking about just having just regular vulnerability in the life that you're living. And I think that that is kind of true across the board with all ministry leaders, missionaries or otherwise. But I think particularly with missions, you build it, you know, you come to a church and then you friend a bunch of people in that church and they see that you as a missionary are willing to friend me on Facebook. Number one, that's awesome. I feel privileged that I would get to be your friend on Facebook. And then I get to kind of just see your day-to-day life. Um, and then I get to just kind of almost feel like I'm living this missions work with you. I think that that's just so wonderful. Um, and on the, on, on the other side of that is the only time when you hear from a missionary is a newsletter basically asking for money. Um, that's really that's really tough, especially missionaries that you really love. And if I just had the unlimited pocketbook, I would just float all the missions work, right? But those type of newsletters are a little bit more difficult to get, especially when they're not really active in any other context. It's just a, you know, once every three months, I get an email that that basically is requesting some type of support. And here's the thing, like I am all about supporting missions work. I think it's simply wonderful. I, like I said, our denomination, I mean, we, 
um, we, we have missionaries globally and we put so much emphasis and work into, into global missions. But there's just, I think that that, that component is a little bit off-putting to me. And it's not, it's not the asking for money because the thing is, is that we need to be supporting like missions work for sure. There's, there's lots of, you know, missions work that even like my wife and I, and I don't know if I mentioned my wife's name is Carrie, Carrie Howe. You know, there's lots of areas that we kind of support and our church actually gives us the ability to kind of like even allocate offering towards missions work and whatnot. It's, it's kind of neat. So it's not that we're, you know, I'm necessarily against supporting missions by any means at all, but that is a little bit off-putting when, um, you know, the only communication you ever hear is if we don't have money, we can't keep doing what God is doing. Oh, and by the way, here's like three bullet points of what we've done in the past two or three months. And the thing is, I, I think that my, my fear in even saying that, Chris, is that it, it comes across really crass and I don't mean that. So I would say like, like grant some mercy in, in interpreting what I said there. Um, because I, these, these people that I know so, so well, and, and even, even a few missionaries over in Israel, actually, that I just deeply love. But I think that that's kind of a, a way that kind of more distances a relationship than makes it close, if you will, um, is that kind of that kind of mentality where that's really the only time you hear from somebody is maybe a few bullet points once every few months. And um, in addition to that, usually there's some type of a request for money that's in there. Yeah. And I think that balance is something that I've really wrestled with trying to strike well over the last four years. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is so what I found out is looking at my parents' model of mission uh, mission work and communicating back with their tur- churches, they send out like a prayer letter, like one to two page prayer letter, like every month. Sure. And, um, and like it just goes through like all the different stuff, at, all the different highlights at their school and at their church and uh, with their family and everything. And it's a really good way for them to keep up and it really works for them. But every sure. time I went to write one, it was like, well, what did I do? I, I taught English. <laughs> I, uh, I graded some papers. And it's like, well, like, you know, we, we went to church and, you know, we did our church stuff exactly, almost exactly the same as last month. Um, yeah. I could have copied and pasted this entire paragraph and you would not have noticed. And I realized that that just wasn't working for me. And so that I was hoping that this podcast would be a way for me to mention some stuff every week you know, at the sure. beginning and at the end. And I think it's working relatively well, oh, except for the editing, which is just a matter of me just getting a little bit better at it every time. And so I think that's been going all right. And it was really such a relief to hear that, you know, you've been keeping up with us on social media and that overall you find that as a good way, because I think that's something a lot of missionaries struggle with, especially the ones in roughly my age demographic, right? The, the millennial missionary, how mm-hmm. much to post and how much do we show? Because on one hand, we want to, you know, we want our aunts and our cousins and, you know, our family and friends to see this. Sure. But on the other hand, we're afraid <laughs> if we post too much, people right. are be like, oh, like, wow, the fries have eaten out that many times this month and we can Hmm, catalog interesting right i guess they don't need you know maybe we can drop their support 20 bucks like (laughs) there's always that also in the back of our minds but it's good to hear that when it's correctly balanced which it does seem like the way you've worded there's a decent amount of wiggle room for that right in that middle ground it's good to know that y'all up there do like to see that you know we live kind of a normal life and you do like to see you know, our day to day, and it does build a level of familiarity and a level of friendship and camaraderie. Because really, if you're a halfway decent Christian, no matter what your job is, our goals are the same. Sure. Right. Our goals are to tell people about Jesus as much as possible and the most appropriate way to live a good life, you know, to when we have opportunity, as James puts it, you know, to help and protect the widows and orphans and to train up the next generation the best we can. Right. I think that's 
you know, really the goal of every halfway decent Christian, I think, is sure. going to be thinking about that four or five times a week, you know. And really, a lot of the people that have really spoken most into my life were actually laymen and lay women, lay, right. lay ladies. Anywho. Lay ladies. Lay ladies, <laughs> right. And so, like, I'm totally on board about, you know, I don't want anyone to ever think that I think that you need to be in full-time ministry. No, like, some of the spirit, most spiritually enriching men that I've met were construction workers, you know, like, gave me a job, like, de-shingling a roof, that type of stuff. Right. And some of the most spiritually mature people I've met have just never done anything, like, beyond teaching Sunday school here and there. Oh, man, where was I going? So, yeah, so it's good to hear that you know, the stateside church appreciates that. Yeah. And so with, do you think that this time of Corona crisis, that the U.S. church and the missionaries, wherever they are, do you think that this is opening up people's eyes about how much communication there can actually be done? Because I don't know personally if I would have ever have actually taken the plunge into doing podcasting if it weren't for this time. And I don't know if you and I would have, you know, had a two-hour conversation after seven-ish years of sure randomly seeing it when the algorithm brought each other's lives up. Do you think that this could be a good starting point into re not even reshaping because I think a lot of this was happening happening already, like vamping it up, speeding up the process of communication between the two. Yeah, and I think that it's so much more than just um, just the communication between stateside, you know, missionaries going out of the United States and communicating back and forth. I think that what's happening right now is having a dramatic revolution on culture's ability to communicate and to understand what what the world is going to look like now. I really do. Um, I think that we, as a church, are going to have to not not a abandon methodology, but our methodology is going to look very, very different moving forward because there are certain, there are just going to be things that are going to not be possible anymore. You know, we're wrestling with what, what decisions do we make? Um, because our gathering is relatively, I mean, it's not huge, but it's relatively large and it, the world is not, you know, our, our governors and president is not just going to snap his fingers and all of a sudden everything is back to the way it was. That's just not the case. Best case scenario, we have a very slow rollout of, um, of change that gets us back to having the permissions that we had before because we're just trying to protect people. And I think that churches that otherwise would have never even considered electronic modes of communication are now realizing that oh maybe there is maybe there is effectiveness here. Um, <clears throat> Carrie Newhoff has a really really wonderful leadership podcast. I think um, last last I was listening to it, he said that there's a huge number of churches. Like seventy percent of churches are are saying that they're in like a growth period right now because of what they've kind of seen their online interaction to be. Now there's a difference between you know views and interactions and engagements and whatnot. But I think that every single ministry in the entire United States, internationally, all the way from, you know, the UK to Australia, all the way to, you know, you guys down in South America and and up into Canada, like literally every single part of the world has realized that we have to, in a time like this, we have to find a different way to communicate. And um, I think that that will have a dramatic revolution on our communication moving forward. Um, it just it it just simply will. Uh, you know, the the world is not going to snap back into the way that it was before, and all of a sudden everybody's just going back to work on Monday. That's just not going to be the way it is. There are going to be some workforces that will always work remote. There are going to be churches that have to completely redefine their structure because they can't meet because, you know, they can't have 5,000 people in a stadium, these sorts of things. And so communication and social engagement, particularly on social media, are going to essentially um, become more probably like the primary method of churches and missionaries being able to communicate as opposed to something we kind of just tack on at the end. 
Yeah, I think one of the great potential tragedies of when all of this is over is all the pastors and people involved in church revert going back to church exactly how it was, right? Yeah. All this, all this like deep dive into technology and, you know, learning the difference between a M4P and an MP4 and an MP3 and all of that, just to forget it all and to never record their service again. Yeah, you, um, you'll, I mean, churches of, will be signing their death certificates by doing that effectively. I, I think so. And I think we've realized that even if everyone, even if your church attendance gets back to that 90%, what about that 10% that legitimately cannot make it that Sunday? Right. Sure. What about the, the grandparent who legitimately is trapped in his house because of health or she can't shovel snow or whatever? Yeah. You know, who for the first time right now has felt like engaged, like, oh, my yeah. goodness, I can I can be with people on a Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, the church that we attend when we're in Indiana, Bethel Church and Ministries, they've been doing a lot of really great stuff online. They've started a podcast. They're doing all sorts of different video series online. And I love it. I've never felt, well, down in here, I don't know if I've ever felt more connected and involved with what's going on back at that church. Sure. You know, like, well, because, you know, you know you're, you're like the my same. My fear as the, is if, if that, you live next door to the church, you're in the same position yeah. down in Lima as the person who lives next door to the church. That's the type of interconnectivity we have. Yeah. And my fear is that when all of this goes back to normal, you know, the church is going to drop their podcast. They're going to, you know, not worry about the quality of the streaming of the service. And it's been great this entire month to listen to solid preaching from my pastor in English. Like sure. I did not know how much I missed hearing the word in English. You know, like I, I honestly did not know that until Corona struck. Sure. And we were looking around and we're like, well, you know, our church down here is doing something at 1030. Oh, that's cool. Bethel's doing something at night. Let's go check it out. And it was, awesome and so refreshing to hear it back in my own language even though i am fluent in spanish and yeah and so i just hope that you know churches granted if there's like an economic reason or like time really is being wasted doing that doing this that's one thing but i don't think it is i i think it's pretty cheap and i think you know one person really can stream it live and upload it you know so i really yeah. don't see how there should be i really don't see there being a lot of financial or time restraints on continuing 90% of what churches are doing during this time. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what will happen is if it does revert, and I think that the danger is that uh, what happens is we just lose focus and forget the importance. And so since we just don't attend to it, it just falls off the radar. You know, so it's just, it's, it's as simple as determining that this, that it's as simple as making a determination that we won't allow ourselves to go there, but you have to make that decision ahead of time. Yeah. I just muted and unmuted myself four times in a row. Literally <laughs> anyone can make a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You really have to purpose in your own heart to do it, you know, and to keep up and to, continue evolving when appropriate with the culture and with the technology. All right. So I got two more things I want to ask you as we're closing up. One is sure. um, just for my listeners, what Isaac is doing is he is making a really good podcast about some pretty good hefty apologetics, but he's breaking it down to the high school, middle school level. And so for the parents or Whoever is listening who has kids roughly that age or they want they want good apologetics, but maybe not at, you know, the master's level diction. What sure. is the name of your podcast and where can they eavesdrop on those conversations that you're having with your youth group? Yeah. So the name of our podcast is the Beartown Road Youth Ministry Podcast. And so that's actually available for the most part wherever you can find a podcast. So it's available 
on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast. It's also available on Apple, Overcast, Radio Public. So pretty much if you search for Beartown Road Youth Ministry Podcast, it will, it'll pop up there for you. Um, also, our church's Facebook page is Beartown Road Alliance Church. Um, any activity that we do with the podcast is posted there as well, along with links that you can easily find or our church website, beartownroad.org. Um, under student ministries, you can find a link to all of the podcasting information. And again, like I've listened to, not every episode because I started in kind of late, but I've listened to a few of them and I really like it. And it's sound apologetic teaching about how to defend your faith and is most relevant to that middle school, high school age group. But I think just about anyone at any age could use that refresher. They're usually about, how long would you say? 20 minutes? less than Yeah, 20, 20, minutes, um, 20 minutes is usually where we try to stick around. Most of them are somewhere between 10 to, 10 to 15 minutes long. Yep. And, and the idea is that not to overwhelm um, any one particular episode, but rather to just give a, a, a bite-sized nugget that you can kind of grab and you can process throughout the day and throughout the week as you kind of go along. Yeah, and I think that's great, and I hope you manage to keep it up even after the corona crisis subsides in a few months or yeah, however long absolutely. this takes. And lastly, how can we pray for you and the Howe family over these next couple of weeks? Yeah, that's that's incredibly generous for you to even ask that. Um, you know, we're, as with a lot of people, we're pretty much, for the, for the most part, quarantined, about 90% quarantined here outside of, you know, grocery stores and maybe quick trips to the church to, to do something with our live broadcasting. But, you know, we, we actually relatively recently had a really difficult family tragedy that came in and kind of pretty much wrecked everybody that there's a lot of us, you know, emotionally recovering from. But again, God has really been gracious in the peace that he's given. But, you know, it is it is really just like a constant prayer of as God is working in this youth ministry and our ministry on the whole, that we would have humility um, and that we would have encouragement day by day, especially throughout this coronavirus that um, you know, that everybody in the household can get along throughout the day. Um, and, uh, you know, just that we can keep, keep plugging along at finding what is the, what's the next step that the Lord has for us. Um, and where, where is he, you know, going to take us and how is this ministry moving forward? So it sounds kind of generic just to say that God's will would be done, but really that, you know, we would be intimate with God right now in a time like we never have been before. And so that when we do come out of this, um, we can hit the ground running and just getting back into um, really, really, really getting into people's lives in an even more intense way once some of these restrictions are lifted up. Uh, first, sorry about the family tragedy. And on the other side of that coin, I'm glad that you guys are finding a peace and you're finding healing. And i Pretty sure my audience will be praying for you guys through the through this time and praying for your church right now. Um, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been great. It's been great catching up. Yeah. And I would love to go back on yours, and I would love for you to come back on mine. It's been it's been a real pleasure doing this with you today, man. Absolutely, I, I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Isaac, for coming on. It was so great catching up with you. So glad to hear that you're doing well, that your family is doing well, and that things at the church, despite the craziness of the corona time that we're living in, that things are going well there for you as well. Again, I would just like to repeat the podcast, Beartown Road Youth Ministry Podcast, is a great resource for apologetics at the teenage level. So if you are a parent or a teacher or you work with teenagers at your church, please listen to a couple of episodes and then pass it on to the teenagers that are in your life. I think they would greatly benefit from it. Thank you for listening today. It really means a lot. Thank you for taking a time out of your life to learn more about Peru, engage with conversations about ministry and what it is like to be a missionary 
And thank you so much for lifting up the prayer requests that are mentioned during these podcast episodes to our Lord in prayer. If you have any recommendations, any topic ideas, any questions, please let me know by emailing me at cmfrey427 at gmail.com. That was cmfry427 at gmail.com. Or you can also hit me up through Facebook and Instagram. On both of those, my wife and I can be found as Chris and Paola Fry, The View from Peru. If you are interested in supporting the work that we do here in Lima, the links for that information will be down in the show notes, along with the links to the episode where Isaac interviewed me for his youth group, and also our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels as well. Thank you so much for your time, and for your support, and for your prayers. And as long as my files don't get corrupted again like they were last week, I will see you next Monday.